We are part of a global family of churches with the purpose to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. You can find us in big cities like London, New York, Paris and Joburg. You can also find us in nations like Bangladesh, Botswana, China and even Hawaii. In Durban, we have a local vision of being a healthy church that starts other healthy churches. Our mission is reach, disciple, impact. We want to reach every person, every campus and every nation. Join this mission to honor God and advance His kingdom. Two, one, two. Good morning, church. Hey. Woo! Feeling that Durban sun right now, yeah? <laughs> it's good to see you guys in person, and uh, and welcome to all our all our guys online as well. Um, what a blessing to live in the city and and to be able to worship on this rooftop like we can. I'm so grateful this morning. And I trust that you are, you're strong, you're well. Make sure your, your neck is not getting too sunburnt. You're welcome to lift up your collar or I think I'm going to de-jacket because <laughs> it's cooking up here. Thank you, my darling. Um, so we, we've been through quite, quite, a, quite a hectic season. Amen? It's been pretty hectic, guys. It's been pretty wild. Uh, it's been pretty difficult. And, you know, this morning we were scheduled to actually start a new preaching series called Winning the War in Your Mind. Um, and uh, Sobs is going to be architecting that. He has been for a, a couple months now already, and he's going to be bringing that message. But I had to ask him this week, my champ, can I just push pause on that series for a moment? And before we run on with the next thing, can we just stop and have a pause and a kind of like a debrief? And a moment to heal and a moment just to speak into what we've been through as a nation. You know, something about us as South Africans is we are super resilient. We've gone through tragedy. We, tragedy happens in our nation. Destruction happens in our nation. And we've got so used to just getting on with it. You know, it happens and then we, next thing we're all back to normal. Life's normal. Spa's got food again. You know, we're like life, okay, let's carry on again. And we, and we're very, you know, seldom actually just stop and reflect and look at what we've come through and and position our hearts correctly through that. And so I want to do that this morning. I've just been spending the entire week, as you know, it's been a very busy time for us as a church with the impact campaign. But this last week I took time to listen and I and I phoned pastors in Phoenix and in 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 Chatsworth. I phoned uh, pastors in Stanger, in Cato Manor, in Chesterville. I spoke to business owners. I spoke to people who have lost everything in the last week. And all I've been doing is asking questions and listening and hearing hearts and, and trying to understand for myself what actually has been going on. And, you know, we've seen so much destruction in this in this last week, I think it would be wrong just to, to browse over it. I mean, I was just looking at the newspaper that arrived just, just the other day here at, at my house. And, and I was just looking at this. It's 161 malls that have been damaged. That's a lot. 11 warehouses, 8 factories, 161 liquor outlets. 
You know, I was just thinking about Pep stores have, have lost 489 stores. One business, Pep. Um, your spa has lost 84 stores. Cashbuild, 36. Edgar's, 50 stores. Massmart, 31 stores. We're est- they're estimating that it's about 150,000 jobs that are at risk right now. 150,000 people that had jobs like three weeks ago are now at risk of not having jobs. 50,000 informal traders have lost their businesses. Informal traders. 40,000 businesses have been affected. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And I just think it would be wrong just to go, okay, well, let's, let's just carry on and rebuild. And for me, I think, and for a lot of us, the, one of the biggest challenges through this has been the absence of someone claiming responsibility. You know, it would be so much easier if there was like a Al-Qaeda or Bin Laden that had like claimed this and, 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 and we were able to put a face on it and a motive and a cause behind it. But nothing concrete has actually really emerged in the last couple of weeks. And so... You know, all we've heard is sinister political forces. That's the word that's going around. Or failed insurrection is what we've been hearing. There have been arrests that have been made, but there's no face, there's no motive, there's no anyone claiming all of that. And I think we've struggled with that gap. I think we've struggled that we, we, we weren't able to put a face on this enemy and a motive behind this enemy. And in that gap, many narratives have emerged and tried to fill that gap. And the one narrative is that this has been a race war. Another narrative is that this is an economic war between the haves and the have-nots. But when you actually listen to people and when you examine the damage on the ground, what you find is that the destruction that has been reaped in this nation has been indiscriminate and random. It's hundreds of white Indian and black businesses, homes, schools, and shops that have been destroyed in the process. It's not one race group that has suffered in the in the story. It has been all South Africans who have suffered in the story. I heard about this week about a township school that had just been given a brand new kitchen to feed all the kids in that school. A couple hundred kids, 400 kids in that school. That kitchen was destroyed and looted this last week. I mean, this is, this is for our kids. You know, th- I heard this last week of a, a black-run and led NGO that's been operating just here outside Durban, has been serving the community faithfully with job empowerment, skills empowerment, all that sort of thing. It's been, it, it's been burnt to the ground. It's been burnt to the ground. This is an NGO. Sandila was telling me this week about doctors in Umlazi who have, you know, doctors can set up their practices anywhere. But they've chosen to set up their practices in Umlazi to serve the community. And he was telling me about this 450 flat fee. <laughs> you know, this 450 bucks flat fee, affordable health care. And those doctors have had their practices burnt and looted as well. So, you know, all these narratives of black versus white, white versus Indian, black versus Indian, they don't actually fit when you actually start to look at what's and really examine what's on the ground. 
And I think for us as Christians, we have the advantage of understanding that there is a spiritual battle at hand as well. And the Bible says in John 10.10 that the, that the thief, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have abundance. So whenever you see stealing, killing, and destroying, we know we can put a face to that. We can put a name to that. That's satanic, that is demonic, and that is not of God. And so what we've experienced in this nation is in many ways a spiritual attack. It has exposed the strongholds that Satan has and the grip that he has on people's hearts in our nation. And the result is that there is a ton of uncertainty that we are facing now as a nation. Will this happen again? What will this week, what will, what will happen this week? Will this happen again? These court cases that are happening, what, will, will that result in, in more unrest? Will the people who have had all that's been stolen and looted and, and burnt, will they rebuild? Will they reinvest? Or will they take that capital and put it in another nation? What's going to happen to all those 150,000 jobs? What's foreign direct investment? What, is the, what are the nations who have resources and want to put money into our nation? What are they thinking when they look at what they saw on their TVs in the last couple of weeks? Will our tourism industry ever be re- rebuilt? Will people really want to come to KZN? Is this really the warmest place to be anymore? <laughs> are we going to implode as a nation? What's going to happen to the gap between the haves and the have-nots in our nation? There is so much uncertainty in the air. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Everybody's on edge and it's, and it's stifling. As if COVID wasn't enough. (laughs) And so what do we do as the people of God in the midst of uncertainty? In the midst of chaos like this, what, what is our reaction as the people of God? Where do we anchor ourselves? In this last month, there's been so much damage, but I think the biggest one is to make us as the people of God feel powerless and hopeless and uncertain. And this morning, I want to correct that. Because I, don't, because I believe there couldn't be anything further from the truth. I believe that we are super empowered this morning. I believe that there is an incredible hope before us. And that there is a certainty that we can anchor ourselves in this morning. And that's what I want us to go to in the Word of God. So if you have a Bible, can we go to Daniel chapter 2? For those of you online, you have the benefit of seeing it coming on your screens. For those of you who are sitting here, I hope you got the iConnect on WhatsApp. Um, in the iConnect, all, all my scriptures this morning are there. You, you're welcome to open the iConnect. For those of you who don't know what the iConnect is, it's a, it's a summary of the sermon that we send out to the church. And our hope is that you will actually sit with others during the week and talk about the sermon and disciple each other through the Word of God. So wherever you are, let's, let's, let's go to Daniel chapter 2 online or here. And let's, let's read from the Word. But Let's pray. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. Lord, we believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with this word. This word brings life, healing, 
and direction. We treasure this word more than our daily bread. We boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive. And we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 reads as follows. It says, During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. Can you say that out loud with me? The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. Who will set up a kingdom? The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. And what's the result of that kingdom? It will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands. They crush the statue, the pieces, crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. We've just jumped into the middle of a story. And, it's, and, the, and the story is this, is that King Nebuchadnezzar, pretty much king of the, the world at that time, all right, um, had a dream. And no one was able to interpret it but the prophet Daniel. And Daniel begins to tell the king the interpretation of this dream. And this is what Daniel tells him. And this was, re- was revealed to Daniel, was that the king saw this picture of a statue and the head was of gold and the, the chest of different metal and then the, there were legs. And, and, and Daniel was telling the king that all of those represent different kingdoms, kingdoms that are still to come in the future beyond your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar. And then there was a picture of a little rock coming out of the mountain, but it wasn't cut with human hands. And that rock struck the toe, the, the final kingdom of this, of this image, and it shattered it into pieces. And then that rock became a mountain that filled the whole earth. And, and Daniel was given privy to what God was going to do in the future. Now, with the benefit of time, we can look back over history and see that the Bible is true. And it's real. Because that's exactly what happened. After the Babylonian kingdom, the Persians came. And after them, the Greeks came. And after them, the Romans came. And then Jesus Christ came. And He is that rock. That destroyed everything that was privy and, 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 his, and his kingdom is the one that is now established on the earth and is growing throughout the earth. That small rock became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. We see Jesus, what is the one message? I mean, if you could summarize the entire ministry of Jesus into a tweet, what would you say? The kingdom of heaven is, is here. Wherever Jesus went... That's the first thing he would say. The kingdom of heaven is at near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at here, at hand. All his parables were about what? The kingdom of, of heaven. Whenever he healed somebody, he would say, the kingdom has come upon you. Whenever he delivered people from demons, he would say, the kingdom has come upon you. His entire message was about a kingdom. Jesus came to build, initiate a kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth. That was his mission. He came to build that and set that in place. In his preaching and teaching, he told us in Matthew chapter 6 to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That not only 
You know, was it His intention and His purpose to initiate the kingdom, but He then transferred that onto us. And He says, if you're going to build anything, if you're going to seek anything, if you're going to give your life to anything on this planet, make sure that your highest priority is the kingdom of God. Make sure it's it's the number one. Seek first before you seek money, before you seek a comfortable life, before you seek a nice new car, before you seek a nice new home, before you seek anything, your own comfort, your own security, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Put it as your number one priority in your life. Make it your life. Make it your mission. And He even taught us not only to build our lives, but to pray for the kingdom. He taught us to pray, Thy umbuso wako maufike. Thy will be done. In tando yako mayenziwe. On earth, emklabeni. As it is in heaven, jenga sesuwini. Thy kingdom come. Umbuso wako maufike. Your will be done. In tando yako mayenziwe. Your kingdom, your plan, your kingdom come to earth. That's how he taught us to pray. And if you look at it, it's right up there. It's like, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy, thy, why? Because it's the number one priority. It is what Jesus is doing in the earth today. And since that day, and since Jesus preached those those words to us. And, and since Jesus made disciples and empowered us to go and make disciples, for the last 2,000 years, we have seen civilizations come and go. We have seen kingdoms come and go. We've seen empires come and go. We've seen nations come and go. We've seen people rise and people fall. But there's one kingdom that has stood the test of time that continues to grow, that continues to gain momentum, and that is the kingdom of God on earth. And we would be wise this morning to notice that. We would be very smart this morning to realize that there is only one thing that is lasting in this world. There's only one thing worth giving our lives to. And that is the kingdom of God. If we're going to be found anywhere doing anything, let us be found building and standing and and defending and propagating and advancing the kingdom of God. Napoleon said the following. He says, I know men. Napoleon Bonaparte. You know, you know Napoleon. Great conqueror. I know men, he said. And I tell you that Jesus Christ is no man. No mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I Napoleon founded empires. But on what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. They conquered with armies. And then he goes on and he says, Jesus Christ founded his empire on love. And at this hour, at this hour, millions of people will die for him. He realized something great right there. There's only one kingdom that's still advancing. And you know, the degree to which nations align with it is the degree to which nations will prosper. 
When we take kingdom principles and we begin to build our nation on kingdom principles, what we see in scripture, our nations begin to flourish. This is history. I mean, man, if you've done history, if you've looked at Christian history in detail over the last 2,000 years, one thing you will notice is this, is that whatever nation aligns with this, the righteous standards and commands of God is a nation that will flourish prosper, succeed. That's what history is showing us. But it's not only nations. It's, it's your business too. <laughs> it's you. It's your life as well. The more you align to the kingdom, the more you build from the kingdom, the more you see and taste the kingdom. We are all looking for something in this world. We're looking for peace. We're looking for joy. We're looking for righteousness, justice. Where do we find it? We find it in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. The life that you're looking for, the, 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 the thing that you want your kids to grow up in, is not a suburb lapa where it seems okay. That's not, that's not it. Where you want your kids to grow up is in the kingdom of God. In a place that honors what God honors. In a place that builds what God is building. That's where you want your family to be. That's where you want your kids to be. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're seeking after. The degree to which nations, individuals, businesses build in antithesis to the kingdom is the degree to which we flounder in poverty, we suffer and we are destroyed. Jesus said, Whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The storms will come. The floods will beat against that house. But it shall stand. Luke 21, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Saints, I want to say, this is where we anchor ourselves. This is where we plant ourselves firmly. This is where we, we, we drive the stakes deep into the ground. If we're going to be found anywhere, let's be found in the Word of God, seeking the kingdom of God and building the kingdom of God. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of chaos, let us anchor ourselves in the thing that is certain. In the thing that will last. In the thing that will continue no matter what storm is there. Listen, I understand if, if today your, your hope in South Africa or your faith in South Africa is damaged. Amen? How many of you felt like that in the last couple of weeks? Shall we leave? Shall we go? I want you to take hope this morning in this, is that even though you are living in South Africa, you are a citizen of heaven. And you are called to something so much higher and so much greater than building a nation. You're called to build the kingdom of God, wherever you find yourself. Listen, South Africa might disappear. You know, God forbid. We, we don't know what's coming. World War III. I don't know. You know, 
Who, are nations, are nations gonna start invading us next? Who knows? We don't know what's coming. We don't know, you know, God forbid. But one thing we do know is that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God will continue to stand and advance no matter what. If we look at history, we can see that the Roman Empire, which was the center of Christianity, was conquered by the barbarians. What happened to the gospel? Did it die there? Did it die in Rome? No, the barbarians got saved. (laughs) And they got discipled. And they became incredible proponents of the gospel and kingdom of God. And guess what? Then they got sacked by the Vikings. Did the gospel stop with the barbarians? No. The Vikings got saved. Glory, hallelujah. I've been to Sweden. Man, you must go see just their Christian heritage in some of those Norwegian, Scandinavian countries. It's unbelievable. It's phenomenal. Things that are hundreds of years old that are still standing to this day built to the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel transcends cultures, barriers, borders, nations. It goes everywhere. You cannot stop it. You can try and hinder it. You can try and stamp out Christianity. You can try and persecute Christianity. And it grows and it gets stronger. The fastest growing church in the world today is the church in Iran and China. Where Christianity is outlawed and you can be killed and imprisoned for your faith. The church is thriving. It's growing really well. Let this time of uncertainty drive you to the one thing that is certain, and that is the kingdom of God. Let it be your highest priority, church. Let's see the world for what it is. It's temporary. Let's not be surprised by that. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, Hebrews 12 tells us, so that that which cannot be shaken will be revealed. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. If our hope is in our government or police or our defense force or our economy or our jobs, listen, you are in for disappointment. You're in for being bewildered. You will become depressed and hopeless. You will hide under your, under your bed and, and cry for better days. You, you, but if your hope is in the kingdom of God and if God is your provider and if God is for you and if He is your shield and He is your protection, you will walk through that storm and you will come out and you won't even smell like smoke. Amen. Amen. This is where we plant ourselves. This is where we anchor ourselves. Many people were confused in the times of Jesus about the kingdom of God. They were like, what is it going to look like? And, and, and we'll, you know, they were kind of hoping that Israel would rise up militarily and oust the Romans and reestablish a, another, you know, kind of state that would then, you know, be the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus corrected this in Luke 19, verse 11. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said because he was on nearing Jerusalem. And they were getting like, okay, he's going to Jerusalem. But what's going to happen? Is this going to be an insurrection? <laughs> is this the moment we take arms? You know, is this the moment we rise up and... What's Jesus going to do? That's the question. That was one of the key things in their mind. They were thinking, what kind of leader is this guy? Well, how is he going to take this place? And, and they were like, and so he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said this. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. But before he left, he called together ten of his servants, divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. 
Jesus is that noble man. He is the one who ascended to, the king, to God to be crowned king, but he is coming back. He's going to come back and he's going to put this all straight. It's going to be a fearful day, people. Judgment is coming. Judgment will be served. The punishment is severe. It's hell. It's eternal damnation. When Jesus comes back, He will not be meek and mild. He's going to come back and He's going to rule with an iron rod. He's going to set in place everything that needs to be in place. The righteous standard of God will be established on the earth and it will be established by Jesus when He comes back. But until then, He gathered His servants and He invested in them. And He told them to do business. Invest until I come. His intention is that when He comes, there won't be much damage. When He comes and brings the righteous standard of God on the earth, that somehow His servants would have gone and taken what their kingdom investments and they would have gone and built businesses and communities and schools and local and national governments and nations upon those principles so that when He comes, there won't be much destruction. That was his intention. So, this is the word of the Lord to you today. Invest. Do business until he comes. Go and build the kingdom. Find out what that means. And build the kingdom of God and give your life to it. Invest in this so that if he were to come back tomorrow, you could at least say that my family or my neighborhood is looking like the kingdom of God on earth. This is where we need to anchor ourselves and find ourselves. Get busy investing in kingdom things. Another parable in Luke 17. So the Pharisees asked him how the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus replied and he said, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. He was saying that I, the kingdom of God is something that I am investing in you. It's in you. Where is the kingdom of God? It's in you. It's in you. This is not an external kingdom with a flag and a banner and a national anthem. <laughs> this is not, it's not that type of kingdom. It's a kingdom that resides in the heart of man. And this is the genius of Jesus. Not to put a flag on it. Not to say this is how it needs to look on the outside. But he goes straight for the heart of man and he says the kingdom must start there in your heart. It's an internal to external kingdom. It's a kingdom that starts over here in me and then begins to be outworked in my life. Take a moment and reflect on your life. Jesus has invested something in you. He's invested his kingdom in you. Is it flowing out into your life? Is it, is it gathering? Is it investing? Is there a return on the investment that the king can see? You know, I was talking to someone this last week in, um, in Neighborhood Watch. You know, I met some amazing people. <laughs> I met neighbors and <laughs> had some crazy conversations. And this one conversation was really interesting. Where the guy was talking about how when good Christian kids go to university and lose their minds. 
They come from such good Christian homes, but when they go to university, they get involved in drugs and sex, and they literally lose their minds, and and get and fail, and you know they just and and everyone's like confused. Everyone's like, but you came from such a good home, you came from such a an amazing environment. What what happened? I can tell you what happened. Is that there was an external government while they were at home. There was an external standard of righteousness that kept them at bay. But when that external standard was removed, the true condition of their hearts was revealed and they got involved in things that they shouldn't have got involved in. It's when we remove righteous standards, when we remove righteous government, the true nature of our hearts is revealed. And you see, what happened to those kids is that the gospel didn't penetrate their hearts. All it did was create a safe environment for them. And Jesus is no, like, no, the kingdom needs to advance in the heart first. It's no use creating external structures that can kind of contain the evil. We have to deal with the evil in the heart. We have to go straight to the problem, and the problem is the sin in the heart of man. And so those kids went off to varsity, and government's righteous government was lifted, and we got to see all manner of sin come out of their lives. We've seen something similar in South Africa in the last couple of weeks. Police force, gone. Army, not yet deployed. Shops, open. And we've seen hundreds of South Africans, some of them getting in their cars even, driving to those stores, loading up a whole bunch of stuff at the expense of somebody else, stealing and bringing it home and enjoying it at the cost of somebody else. What happened? Our true hearts were revealed in the absence of righteous government. When we strip away righteous government, we start to see the true nature of man. You know, as Christians, we have to be involved in constitutional courts and, and, and commissions of inquiry and, and the Human Rights Commission. And we uphold these structures. We are, we, we are grateful for these structures. We must build these structures and support these structures. And it's wonderful to see people being you know, arrested for human rights abuses, for, for racism and being brought to account for corruption and stuff. These are, but these are external structures. At the end of the day, all they can do is contain sin. All they can do, and when they are removed or where they're not present, we get to see the true nature of man. I saw the true nature of man at some checkpoints in the last couple of weeks. Why? Because there was no constitutional human rights court present. And so I got to see some sin nature coming out. You know what I'm talking about. You stand around the bride place. There's no police. There's no human rights commission. There's no structure available. What do you hear coming out of people's heart? What manner of racism and, and, and hate comes out of people in those moments? That, my friends, is the problem. That will always be the problem. And that's what Jesus came to address. There will never be these, these structures that we have of government, police and everything. They're actually built on, on the Bible. They're built, you know, in the Bible it tells us to honor our leaders. In Romans 13 it says that, God, that, that, that government is God's minister for justice. So obey government. 
Serve government. Pray for your leaders. Because if you pray for them, you will live a peaceable life. They are a control given to us by God in order to contain the sin problem. They act as like a fence to stop the sin from coming out. But that fence can't reach everywhere. It can't get to the bright place. It can't get to the checkpoint. It can't get to a shop that's been looted and there's no police force around. That it, it can't cover everywhere. What we need is the gospel of God to go out and convert the, la- the lustful, hateful, revengeful heart of mankind. Only then will we really start to see nations transformed. How many of you have been walking down a road one, and there's like a big dog behind the fence and it's giving it at you, slobbering at the mouth, you know, just, and you're walking down the road and you're just like, whew, I'm so glad there's a fence. <laughs> I'm so glad this is all just you checked. Any holes, nothing, let's carry on. That Rottweiler is, is the sin in man's heart. The fences are the, the Christian Biblical structures that are established in society to contain it. But we have to deal with the right viola if we're going to see any change. The prophet Jeremiah said this about Jesus in chapter 31 and verse 33. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is how Jesus builds. He puts His law where? In our minds and in our hearts and in the absence of police and in the absence of a human rights commission. What comes out of me in those moments? God. The kingdom. That I don't slip into the flesh and act like the world and conform to the world, but what comes out of me is the righteous standard of God. I don't need a government to help me. I don't need a human rights commission to tell me what to say about people or not. I have the Word of God. I have the law of God. It tells me how I need to think about people. It tells me how I need to build my life. It tells me how I need to structure my business. It tells me how I must conduct my affairs. It tells me that and it's written on my heart and I know it. And therefore I live it. I don't need a policeman over my shoulder. That, my friends, this morning is the hope of nations. The hope of our nation, the hope of the nations of the world is a transformed heart. A heart that's been penetrated by the gospel of God. Where God has gone deep and a work of repentance has come and His law has been written in there. And I get discipled into His ways and my mouth and my language and my spending and everything starts to align with that kingdom. That is the hope of nations. How do we enter the kingdom of God? Matthew 4, verse 17, Jesus said these words. He says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. How do we enter into the kingdom of God? Through repentance. How do we taste the kingdom of God on earth? Repentance. When we repent of our sin, when we repent of our lawlessness, when we repent of our racism, when we repent of our selfishness, when we repent, repent of our self-preservation attitude, when we repent from running away, when trouble's coming, when we repent, we enter the kingdom of God. Repent 
For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. And we don't only repent to enter the kingdom of heaven, but repentance is something that we do as the body of Christ every single day of our lives so that we can stay aligned with the kingdom of God. You know, storms come and storms reveal the true nature of our hearts. You know, when you squeeze a toothpaste tube, you see what comes out. This moment that we've experienced as a nation is a squeezing. And we've seen what's come out. We've seen the state of our hearts. We've seen the state of our nation. We've seen the enemy. We've seen stuff that's ugly has come out. What is the answer? The answer is to repent. Repent. When you, after your day, reflect on your day and you got squeezed that day and something came out of you that you didn't like, that wasn't the kingdom of God, what do you do? You repent. What is repentance? Repentance is turning away from what is wrong. It's calling wrong what wrong is. It's wrong. <laughs> and saying that is not me. That's not what I'm called to. That's not how I'm meant to live. That's what repentance is. It's saying what is wrong is wrong. And it's turning away from what is wrong. But that's not only it. We've done an injustice in the church to teach that. Oh, that's all you need to do. It's not only that. Repentance is also turning to. It's turning away from what is wrong. It's turning to what is right. And every day, that's how we live. Our lives need to be repentant lifestyles. Where every day, we are returning from what we know is wrong. In our thinking, in our mentality, in our heart, we turn away from that and we look to what is right and we embrace what is right. No matter how foreign it might feel, we embrace it, we, we culture it, we nurture it in our hearts so that when the squeezing comes again, what you're going to get out of me is love. What you're going to get out of me is blessing. You might revile me and persecute me. What are you going to get back? You're going to get Jesus back. That's the hope of nations is that we would repent and live like that. I, ha I had this in the illustration format. I was wondering, Sandile, why don't you, why don't you come here, champ? Sorry, Spore, you might need to do a camera jiggle here. Come stand over here. Here's God, alright, for today. Sorry, I am a teacher and I love to illustrate, okay? What I want you to do is, I want you to just take some steps slowly like this all right across the stage this is god he's unchanging he's immovable he's faithful he's predictable we know his ways we know his standards and this is what he does in the world he walks through the world like this he doesn't change no matter what happens what do we do we come in step and in alignment with what God is doing in the world. Let's go back. Let's do that again. And, and this is what repentance is. It's coming in alignment with what God is doing. So in the midst of storm, this is what we're doing. We're running around. Ah, Jesus! What do we need to do? Come in alignment. What is Jesus doing? Where is He going? What is the Jesus thing to do in the circumstance? It's to feed the kids, man. That's the Jesus thing to do. It's to go to our neighbor. It's to find out what they're doing, what they're going through and pray for them. It's to go to our knees, to the 24-7 prayer room. It's to sign up for revival prayer. It's to get involved with our connect group. It's to take the gospel to nations. What is Jesus doing? 
We build what He's building. We go after what He's going. And repentance is the means by which we come into alignment with what He's doing. That is the only thing that will, be, that will last. That's it. What, what else is there? Nothing else will last but what Jesus is doing in the world. So when storms come, when stuff hits, where were you? <laughs> where were you in this last month? Share, share, share. Spread the fear, spread the hate. Where, where were you in the last month? What were you doing? What narratives were you jumping into? What was, when you were being squeezed, what was coming out of you this last month? Repent. Repent. I think we can all do that. We all could have done better, differently. Storms reveal. You know that you can have a nice house, but when a storm comes, it shows how like, strong it really is. How strong was your heart in this last season? What came out of you when the city burnt? Did Jesus come out? Were you the hands and feet of Jesus? Are there things that you've done in the last month that you're ashamed of? Are there things that you said that you're ashamed of? Did your racism rock violer run wild? Did you run to fear or did you run to faith? Did you embrace hopelessness or did you embrace the kingdom? Were you salt? Were you light? Or did you hide your light under the bed? Where were you when the city burnt? Let's name everything that we did wrong. Let's say that it is wrong. And let's repent of it. And let's embrace how we should be. Let's embrace what we should be doing. And let's turn to everything that we know is right. And let's be found doing that. Why? Because we are citizens of heaven. We're ambassadors of Christ. We are channels of love, healing, and reconciliation. We are those who bless when we are cursed. We are those who go and love those who hate us. Is there space amidst us this morning, every nation, Durban, for somebody who's looted? Are they welcome here? Can we love them? Can we go and help our enemies, our so-called enemies? (laughs) Can we serve those who... Who we, who, who we feel are hating us right now. You know, I was so blessed and challenged when I read about Lucky Lehwati. How many of you know Lucky Lehwati? We love him, even though he's a former Orlando Pirates captain. <laughs> still, still a nice guy. <laughs> Lucky Lechwati. Am I saying it right? Lechwati. Had his restaurant destroyed by looters. And he said this. He said it was sad. Working for 20 years, playing soccer, saving money. After you retire, you say you're going to have something to help you put food on the table. Then somebody comes along and destroys it just like that and I have eight employees now who don't have jobs this is real people that's what we've seen this last week but look at what comes out of this man in an hour like this when interviewed 
What could have come out of him? Hate, revenge. The, the way, the, the people who worked for his restaurant know who did it. They know who did the stuff. They were there trying to protect, but they couldn't protect any longer. Look what comes out of him. He says, I have done too many things wrong and people have forgiven me. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I read the Bible. I've learned too many things from pastors. When people do wrong, you must forgive them. And then you pray for them so that they don't repeat the same mistakes. We South Africans are brothers. We must lead like brothers and we must take South Africa somewhere. Hope, reconciliation, forgiveness, repentance, a careful mind on his own heart. That's Jesus. When we get squeezed and when our city burns, let's, let, let that toothpaste come out of us. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I want to close in prayer. I want to take a moment to repent. I want you to examine your heart. And I want you to just surrender your shame and your guilt. You're not supposed to walk around with condemnation. If stuff's come out of you in the last month that you're not proud of, let's repent today. Take a moment now before the Lord and confess your sin. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. And say, I am not that. I am not called for that. Lord, we repent this morning. We repent before you, Almighty God. We have sinned and we ask you to forgive us. We have turned aside from the high calling that you have called us to and we have run after idols and we've said things, thought things, done things that we are ashamed of this morning and we repent. As South Africans, before you, Almighty God, we repent. As foreign nationals before you, we repent. We repent before you, Father God. We recognize your righteous standard. We recognize your perfect law. And we ask you to deal with our hearts, Lord. To cleanse our hearts. To wash us and make us pure. Forgive us, Almighty God. We know the blood of Jesus speaks of better things. Wash us in the blood of Jesus. You said if we are faithful to confess, you are faithful to forgive. We confess. We confess this morning. Wash us of the sin. Wash us of the sin in our land. Have mercy on South Africa. Lord, we even repent for our nation this morning. For the murders, for the burnings, for the lootings, for the stealing, the killing, the destroying. For allowing Satan to do his work in our nation. To no one's benefit. To no one's benefit. Lord, we repent for giving the enemy a foothold in this nation. We repent, Father God, for the sin that's been committed this last month. And we ask you to have mercy on us. We ask you to forgive us. Cleanse us as a nation. 
bring us to our knees again. May we be found on our knees, Lord. May we be found surrendered to you. May we be found seeking you and your kingdom first. Wash us. Wash us as a people. Wash us as a nation. Help us in this hour, we pray. Lift us up out of the miry clay and put us back on the rock, we pray. Put us back on the rock, that solid rock of your word, that unchanging word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will stand forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word will last forever. Put us back on the rock of your word. Put us back in our purpose with you, almighty God. Put us back into being kingdom citizens, men and women of the kingdom, men and women who, are, who have no need to be ashamed. Men and women who are proponents of love and reconciliation and peacemakers. Put us back where we need to be, Almighty God. We repent before you today. We repent before you. And we turn to you with all our hearts, with all our souls. We return to you. And we say, come and help us walk this road, Lord of reconciliation, of love. Help us be kingdom builders. May it be our number one priority again. We're sorry for seeking other things. We're sorry, Lord. Put us back where we need to be. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and amen and amen. Trishy, why don't you come up? We just want to bless you this morning. You can keep going, Sia. That was, that was cool. We just want to lift up a blessing over you today. I know some of us are facing challenges this week. I was just talking to NJ this morning and his dad owns shops and they've They've all been looted. This is NJ's dad. He's, you know, NJ, yeah, in our church. It's very real. Some of us are facing job losses or retrenchments or I don't know what. Some of us are facing family dramas. Some of us have family who are suffering with COVID right now. And some of us don't know where our next meal is coming from. And whether you're online right now or you're here, we want to lift up the kingdom of God over you today. And we want to bless you, church. We want to bless you. And the blessing is this. It's the empowerment of God to go and prosper. It's the empowerment of God to go and build. To go and, and be salt and light. So we bless you today, Don. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you. May He be gracious towards you. May He empower you to lift up your hands if your hands are feeling weak. May He strengthen your knees if your knees are quaking. May the empowerment of the Lord yes. bless you, yes. strengthen you, and keep you as you continue to shine as the beautiful light He has created you to shine as. In His beautiful name, let Jesus rest upon you. Yes. Let Jesus shine yes. out from amidst you. Yes. Come. And take everything that he gives you. Yes, God. And share it with those around you. 
the kingdom of God advances. The kingdom of God is unshakable. Yeah. You are the light of the world. Shine brightly. Shine brightly. Yes. As he continues to empower you to shine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's lift up a praise. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Have a good week, church. May you be blessed and prosper in all that you do. Amen. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.emdurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.